Well, hello, it's uh, Che Long from the Wrexham AFC media team and I am joined today by Mark Griffiths. How are you, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I'm starting to get excited about football again. Yeah, yeah, well, plenty of things to talk about. We've got the first training session that you were very lucky to go see, which I'm really excited to hear about. We've got the fixtures, we've got the kits, kits to talk about, we've got the Euros, and also, break in today, we have two new sign-ins, which is very, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely, and the most exciting thing of it all for them is they got to speak to me. The lucky devils, eh? <laughs> they must think North Wales is a wondrous place. <laughs> oh, they, they must have been absolutely buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people say they signed for Ryan Reynolds, but I think we all know the real reason why players sign for Exxon, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, no, no, the massive floodlights. That's why they signed for us. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm Mark Griffiths. Yeah! Anyway, <laughs> next we'll be talking about these two new mystery players. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Well, we have two new mystery players at the helm. The first of many, hopefully. Um, I've seen them both. I can't pronounce their names yet. <laughs> However, you've been lucky enough to meet them. How how did it go? Uh, great. Uh, firstly, really nice blokes. And secondly, i I got to say that the way they talked about uh, things got me a bit excited, got me looking forward to the new season a bit. Um, so firstly, we've got Sean Brisley, and I mispronounced his name to him, I'm proud to say. I wasn't sure if it was Brisley or Brisley. So Sean Brisley, centre-back, most recently at Port Vale. Um, big bloke, in fact they're both big fellas. My right arm is really aching now because I, had to, I filmed the, the welcome videos, and because they stand in front of the advertising boards and they're tall, taller than me, um, I have to angle the camera up and I don't want to have that sort of the gap above the boards. So I have to hold my camera up really high to film them. Oh, me, oh my arm's still a bit sore now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Brisley was, uh, he's, he's, you know, I really liked about what he said was he was talking about, as far as he's concerned, football's just about clean sheets. All I want to do, if I come off the pitch with a clean sheet, I'm happy. And he gave me the feeling there was somebody who very much wants to defend his box with his life and I thought oh, this reminds me of uh, somebody who's left us quite recently uh, I, I was quite encouraged by that um, I, I said to him as well he's, he scored a few from set pieces and again he said he's oh yeah I, I said I, I do he said but what I really I don't care about that I care about clean sheets and I thought oh, I like that mentality he said he can play out the back if necessary but his first priority is defend um, and yeah, he spoke very well. You know, tall bloke, looks about six three, six four, something right. like that. Physically imposing. And afterwards, we were looking at the um, the honours board, and he's looking down at players he's played for against. He's played at the racecourse when we were in the football league, and he was a young lad at Macclesfield. So he's playing as a wing back, and he said he remembered how incredible the atmosphere was. And he's he's keen to get in front of the the Wrexham players, but yeah. Yeah, so certainly he, he spoke he spoke a good game. He's played all his career in the Football League as well. Um, so, you know, a, a player that's the pull of the new Wrexham has attracted. Yeah, it's nice to have someone with a plethora of Football League uh, knowledge and experience and someone who's just said that keeping clean sheets is <laughs> the most important thing for him because at the end of the day... I think goal scorers win your games, but a good defence wins your titles. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's really promising promising to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other guy, Liam McElinden. Again, big fella. So we've recruited some, some height and muscle. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily a target man, mind. Uh, he describes himself as a player who likes to take chances, but likes to create chances and won't stop working, will pressure the defenders all the time. Now, he's interesting because last season he was at Morecambe, and Morecambe, of course, went up. And he didn't start all that many games, but he did have a very important contribution. And in the playoff semi-final, uh, he set up the first goal uh, at Tranmere for that night Percival, and then he scored the winner. Uh, so he was crucial in the playoff semi-final. They won 2-1 at Tranmere and gotten through. 
and yeah, again, you know, he he seems a very enthusiastic fella. He seems very very eager to get into things, and also he has had a couple of spells in a national league, only brief spells. I think loan spells, if I remember correctly, but in both of those he mm. scored goals. Um, he was at Halifax, started twenty league games, scored ten goals. Uh, so he's yeah, he, again, he looks like an an interesting and, and promising addition to what we got up front already. Ace playing well against Tramia. Hopefully, there's more of that to come in years to come. Uh, yeah, brilliant, and and the fact that he's also played at our level is promising. He obviously knows what the league's about because that I think League Two and National League football is very different, isn't it? Mm. Um, so yeah, brilliant. Very happy with that. Yeah, it's, it's just the start, isn't it? Let's yeah. see what other players are brought in. But uh, these two guys sound interesting, and like I said, they're both physically imposing. Uh, they're both like about six three, six four. And I think a lot of fans, well, always, I, I, maybe I'm prejudiced here. My dad would always say how he was worried when he saw a big the other side were. Uh, well, we seem to be accumulating a bit, yeah. a bit of height in our team. So that's not a bad thing either, is it? Yeah, which, which, is, which is great. We, uh, if you, you do need a physical side in the National League, I don't care what you say. Uh, so, yeah, let's hope, let's hope these guys hit the ground running. Let's hope they're nice and fit and ready for... The seasons have come, and after this, we'll be speaking about their first training session. I'm Liam McClendon, and this is Dragon Heart. Well, it was the lads' first day of training the other day, Mark. So you were fortunate to go have a look. How? What did you think? Yeah, it was it was great to go. To be honest with you, you know, I've seen them train before, obviously, but first day of training's interesting. I've never been to see that. Um, obviously, it was all fitness work. They're not. Yeah. They're not going to do anything beyond that. I've got to say, Owen Jackson, the fitness coach, man. All fitness coaches are cruel, but oh, he put them through it. <laughs> I tell you, I could imagine a lot of running, and I suppose a lot of lads have had. <laughs> they've took their time, haven't they? And had you know, justifiably had a few a few weeks off. Yeah. Probably enjoyed themselves. So now this fitness coach is going to be whipping them back into <laughs> shape for hopefully our promotion season this year. Let's hope so. Um, I've got to say as well, I'm no. Um, I'm no fitness expert. I think anyone who's seen me will will agree. <laughs> but um, they they all looked in good shape, yeah. and a couple for me, wow, just really stood out. Now, to be fair, of course, there are others who are great trainers as well, and it is the first day back, so other people probably will get into their stride a bit more. And I only saw fitness work, but firstly, I tell you, I was so pleased to see the the state that Ponticelli was in for a first day of preseason. I mean. We all know what happened last season. Yeah. His pre-season was completely wrecked. He spent most of the season getting himself into rhythm and at the end of the season, scored three goals in four games when he was actually starting to... He looked mm. like he'd finally got ready for the season just as it ended. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, watching him, oh, wow, he's going to be on fire in the playoffs, but you know, that didn't happen. But, um, oh, he was... He looked in fabulous condition. I mean, he was... I guess it's a shorter summer than normal, isn't it? And he's carried that fitness over. And he was leading away in all the sprints. He looked so sharp. And, and the endurance work. Yeah. You know, he was leading the way all the time. I mean, I've got to say, that was such a promising thing to see that. Which is fantastic because he's, it's a big season for Ponticelli, yeah. I feel, this season. Because mm. I think he's got a lot to prove, isn't he? Because yeah. I think going into last season, next, uh, yeah, going into last season, he had a lot of hype around him, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Uh, I think he looked fantastic last season in parts. Really, really mm. good player. But, you know, he's had his injury problems, isn't he? A lot of ups and downs. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him at his best. I think he could really take the this league by storm. Exactly. Um, and it's massive for him as well. Because, I mean, already, just look at what we've got. I mean, Dior Angus is a proven goal scorer at our level. So he'll be looking to be the main striker. Ponticelli obviously will as well. Thomas eventually hopefully he'll get back to himself and I mean he was our main man last year and then let's be honest if we're going to spend money on signings we are surely going to buy at least one or two players who we'll be expecting to score goals up front yeah. so there's going to be a lot of competition to play up front I suspect and yeah for Ponticelli to be sharp it's like a new signing isn't it really it is it is and I think if he can really trigger off some goals and but he the thing is though he needs to this season does need to prove a point as well mm. of and it, it's the same with players like 
Dan Jarvis as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Really, he he's another one who really really needs to show his real potential because those two players have extreme potential to play at I'd say League One level quite yeah. easily. Tech, they're both very technically gifted, but I think at times they haven't didn't show it last season. I think maybe under a new system they may both mm. thrive. Yeah, I think it was frustrating for for Jarvis as well last season, wasn't it? I mean, you look at it, I mean Ponticelli has played at that higher level. Yeah. And as for Jarvis, I guess I can talk more about this now than I, I could before. But I mean, I know that Keats had tracked him for a very long time and was interested in him. And Stoke didn't want to let him go because they genuinely saw him as part of Stoke's future yeah. as a first team player. So it was a, a coup to get him. And he's clearly got a lot of good judges who think he's very, very capable of doing a good job. Yeah, I think, for me, with Dan Jarvis, he's one of those players that gets fans off the seats, doesn't he? And he's really excited me at times when he's come on when he came on last season. But I think when he got given the stage, of, come on, this is your chance to start. He didn't really show it at times, did he? No. So again, it's a huge season for him, and it's a huge season for I think a lot of the players yeah, who've yeah. signed on, like Reesel Johnson. If he can carry on what he did last season, yeah. Ron's a winner there, aren't we? Absolutely right. Should we have a listen to what Jarvis and Dior Angus had to say on uh, after the first session? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm Kerry Evans, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. Uh, Dior, I suppose the first thing we should be asking you is, how was your summer? Yeah, good. Wet. Um, <laughs> not as much sun as I'd have liked, but it's, um, it's nice to be back. Good. Uh, the first training session looked quite hard there, out today. But how did you find it? Yeah, it was all right. It's um, sort of mentally you just know the first few weeks are going to be tough, but once the balls come out, it'll be all right. Yeah. Um, so for this upcoming season, what, uh, what are your targets going to be at this point? Um, personally, as many goals as possible as a team, get out of the league and see what we can make of it. Well done. Every footballer's favourite day, first day of pre-season. That was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, great to be back. I mean, the, the running was alright, I guess, but yeah, great to be back and just enjoying it as usual. Every footballer hates the fitness coach more than anybody else, I reckon. I mean, really, the whole squad have pushed hard there, haven't they? Yeah, no, I think, especially more this season with the new gaffers, everyone's trying to impress and, you know, no one wants to be last in the running. But I guess it's good to be back and just getting your fitness back, and it's just hard, isn't it, pre-season? Well, exactly. It's worth it later on, though, isn't it? If you get a good pre-season under your belt, you feel it for the rest of the season, don't you? Yeah, you know, we want to be the fittest team in the league and breeze people aside, and, you know, by doing our pre-season properly, we'll do that, hopefully. Yeah. How's your summer been? Really good, short, but, you know, I've been working hard because last season I didn't come back as, as fit as I wanted to, so this season I just got my head down and, you know, I've been doing a lot of running and hopefully come back a lot fitter this year. I mean, it was a strange season last year, wasn't it? In all sorts of ways, games coming thick and fast. It's hard for you to, to get the building going in a way of getting regular matches, but it's good to have a fresh start now and, and really have a good run at it. Yeah, fresh start. Please, like, everyone's on the same, you know, everyone's on the same level, so it's time to impress the new manager and hopefully, you know, I get some more game time this year. You know, I didn't have a lot last year, but hopefully I showed in the games that I did do that, you know, I can create things and, you know, make things happen, but... Like I said, level playing field, and now it's just time to go and impress a new manager. Jordan Pondicelli, and you're listening to the Dragonheart Radio Show. Yes, great to hear from Jarvis and Angus, who yeah. were both very promising players last mm. season. Um, anything else to mention about the training? Oh, yeah. Um, there was another person who, for me, oh gosh, really caught the eye. And I, I was pleased about who it was, too. Oh, I, th- I thought it when we watched him at the end of last season, but I, I, even more so now. We've got a good one in Cameron Green. Cameron Green's a player, but not only that, dear Lord, he's an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was terrifying. He was just so strong in all the endurance work. And at the, at the very end, I mean, you know, let's be honest. As you said, the whole point of this is the fitness trainer will put them through hell. They all players hate pre-season. And at the end of it, when they were doing this massive repetitions, running around, you know, a third of the pitch, or more than that, perhaps, in those big loops, um, you could hear them panting, yeah. panting. And I was, I, I, I was asked to go and take some pictures for the website, and I positioned myself where everyone would go past so I can get pictures. And you can just hear that soundtrack of <sighs> everyone's breathing really heavily. Yeah. 
And then suddenly the noise stops. And it's because Cameron Green's coming past. And he's not he's not he's not panting in the slightest. And is sort of chatting to the person in front. Oh we, are we do we have another session today, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just like wow and just all the way through his 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 natural fitness levels really through well, the roof. Do you think a lot of that's down to maybe he's come from like a higher pedigree of team? Mm. Like Watford do a Premier League yeah. yo-yo club, your Premier Championship yo-yo club. Their fitness routines is going to be a lot more sophisticated than a non-league. Well, off obvious reasons, isn't it? You know, they've got the science and they've got the money. So, do you think that would have helped? I think it could well do. I think looking at him as well, he is just an amazing natural athlete. I think. Yeah. Um, and also, well, I mean, speaking about good habits from academies. I mean, my lad was saying that he thinks he wondered whether you say training day in day out with Troy Deeney, for example, is going to give you certain modeling of yeah. professional behavior and i wondered about that because the other thing he did that was really striking for a you know an inexperienced player is that after the toughest of the um exercises when the players really were needing a break he again didn't look like he needed a break firstly mm. but he went along and he fist bumped every single player you know, and I just thought that's a sort of Sean Pearson move, that or a Troy Deeney move, isn't it? It's yeah. like keep going, lads, come on, lads, keep going. He's the, like he's the leader. Yeah. I mean, you don't really players don't do that in training, really. And when it, when the coaches, uh, fitness coaches, saying oh, keep together when they're running together, keep together, you know, don't want anyone to struggle or whatever. You know, he's there actually pumping people up. Come on, lads, come on, lads, let's do this. And he's sort of thinking, I like to see that in a lad who's got twenty professional appearances under his belt. You know, he sees a responsibility to take control of things, to encourage, to be a good teammate. He's a natural athlete, and as we saw last season, he can play a bit as well. And I just, I just, oh, I just, I was deeply impressed by him, to be honest with you. Yeah, and it's it's something that we don't usually see as football fans. We only see what's on the pitch, don't we? Yeah. We don't don't see what's on the training ground. It was really that, that's really nice to hear that he's such a positive influence, mm. such a tender young age as well. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> I think. The people who pulled the strings to sign in last season, it, well, it, that's that's yeah. a real, real diamond, yeah. isn't it, right there? And great, great competition for Jamie Record as well. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And maybe if we play in a different system, I could see Cameron Green playing on the left wing or left mm-hmm. midfield. He he's very talented, gifted footballer. But my main criticism with him last year was maybe he got bullied a little bit against the more experienced. Um, wingers in our division and it's going to be great to see him develop well the first two games he played um i i felt yeah he's clearly technically very very good but he was up against two good wingers and they did give him problems defensively however after those two games he didn't have defensive problems i thought so hopefully that was just a case of he was he was coming into the team for the first time and was unlucky enough to be against a couple of the better right-sided attacking players in the division um, because since then he looked I thought he looked very smooth um, I think you, you say about the quality of decision-making to bring him in uh, that's the other thing I was thinking I mean I, you know I'm on the record as an admirer of Dean Keats anyway and I've always said he, he was very good at doing his due diligence like I said about Jarvis you know yeah. he he doesn't uh, I keep thinking of the European Championships. We will now see some stupid signings, won't we? Some a player who's just had a bit of form for three or four games in this tournament will get signed by a team, and will then find they'll then find oh actually he's not that good. He just did well when the pro, the spotlight was on him. Um, Keats was the opposite. He would track players, trail them over a length of time, see what they're like consistently. And so it didn't surprise me that he pulled off a coup like that. Although I believe Paul Hawley, the Wrexham striker, was a yeah. big part of it, wasn't he? Sort of recommending him. But I also thought, I sort of put myself in Dean Keats's shoes and thought, just looking at how impressive he was, the, the moment you bring someone like that into training, it, it, I just could, you could imagine your first sight of him is, wow, yeah. right, that, kid, that, that kid, right, okay, we're having a good look at him. You know, he's coming on trial, first session, you'll just imp- impress you so much, you realise you're onto something, you couldn't miss it. So... <laughs> Hundred percent, and it, I'm very glad that we signed him because I was thinking mm. maybe is there League Two or League One clubs looking? Oh, you know what? We'll, we might put in a bid with him for. As, yeah. uh, he was on a non-contract terms as well, wasn't he? Yeah, last yeah. season. So yeah, fantastic signing. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that he's such a positive influence on the training ground. Was, was there anyone else that caught your eye? 
Well, I think they were all grand, yeah. really. To be fair, yeah. you know, there, was a, there was there was nobody who was not, looked like they had a few too many curry suppers or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it's very early days, isn't it? You know, the players will grow into it a bit more. You can see Jordan Davis' natural athleticism. You see Duke Young would have kept going forever. Yeah. But I'm not really telling you anything you don't know already with that. You know. 100%. Oh, I suppose the other thing is that obviously at the moment we haven't got a goalkeeper coach. Right. I believe we we wheels are in motion to sort that soon. I believe, um, but it's interesting seeing Lington essentially become the goalkeeping coach, um, and put the, put himself Dibble and Sitchbaniak through mm-hmm. through a proper session. I'll tell you that for nothing. Which, that was good. Which is great, and um, yeah. we expect that from Rob, really, don't yeah. we? So excellent. It's, I'm, I'm really glad that you've really you really enjoyed watching the lads. Yeah. yeah. Get back, get dust off the old cobwebs and get ready for the season. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news on players coming in and coming out, and it's going to be we're we're all excited for pre-season. But before we move on to the fixtures, I'd like to say congratulations to Matt Carrington, who's yes. signed for Kidderminster Harriers, and for me, a great fit of a club because I really like yeah. Kidderminster personally. I think they're a proper, you know, working man's club aren't they he's one of my favourite away days is Kidderminster yeah. and I, they've got themselves a real diamond there especially for Conference North level I think I thought oh, yeah. I thought a National a National League team might take a punt at him I, uh, I, yeah. really a fantastic sign, sign in for them and um, congratulations to Gold Mateo for getting a contract at Kings Lynn as yeah. well and I think looking at Kings Lynn last season they looked really Lightweight. They looked really good technically against us, didn't they? In mm. that last game, they looked really lightweight, and I think Goldamate would save, would solve that problem in having a really physical striker. So good luck to them. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it does. It, nothing earns you a signing like scoring two goals against the team we were looking at. It. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think he'll do a very good job for them. Uh, and like I agree about Carrington. Carrington's, I think, I'm surprised, especially the way he played for us last season when he had to step in at centre back. Yeah. Hasn't. Stayed in the National League, but Kidderminster got a fantastic player and a good, fantastic leader yeah. in that. I'd also like to say congratulations to Ballard Town for managing yeah, to get Paul Rutherford because Paul Rutherford will destroy the League of Wales. I yeah. mean, goodness me, his fitness levels—he'll be—he'll be going, you know, half an hour afterwards when yeah. everyone else is having a good lie down. And it's just really nice to hear that these players have got jobs, you know, in this yeah. current climate. So, yeah, I think Ballard Town hell of a signing for. For them, Rutherford has he's been he's been an excellent servant for Wrexham, and I'm just really happy that these guys and they genuinely seem genuinely nice guys yeah. have have got jobs as well. So yeah, let's let's hope. Good luck to Bala. Good luck to Kidderminster yeah. next season. Good luck, luck to Kings Lynn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, except for Kings Lynn, except, obviously. Except, except for Kingsley, <laughs> but especially there are other factors there. Kidderminster, <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, Kidderminster, fantastic away day, best food in the country. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and they should they shouldn't be in the north. I think they're big big yeah. enough to be a league club really as well. So yeah. good luck to them all. And after this, me and Mark are gonna discuss the fixtures. I'm Luke Young and you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio Show. Well, fi- the fixtures have been released. An exciting part of the preseason process, really, isn't it? And there's a few that's caught my eye. Is there any that's caught yours? Uh, well, I can't stop thinking that I assume August the 21st, if all goes well, will be Rob and Ryan Day. Uh, they certainly have been talking on social media about hoping to come for the Oval game first day of the season. If that's the case, I do hope we're allowed actual crowds in mm. and, and a full crowd because it would be a shame if they were able to come along and we were restricted to a thousand or whatever or if even it was behind closed doors that would be a real pity yeah. although I you know please don't get me wrong uh, public health comes first yeah. uh, I don't I'm not one of those people who just says let's just get on with things as normal but um, it would be a shame I'd love to see the whole ground rocking when they come for their first match it would be quite an occasion so Yeovil yeah, yeah. it might be Let, let's hope that same Yeovil team that we played Last season, turn up because yes. <laughs> I yeah. think we'd have a I think we'd have a fun game. But yeah, yeah. I think those the, the first three fixtures are all quite <laughs> for a new manager and a new team. That's three really hard fixtures: Yeovil, Eastleigh, and Notts County right off the, and then South End in September. That's yeah, four through, really tough fixtures. I go further. Than, yeah, I go further than that. Yeah. It's a hell of a tough start to the season. You got Yeovil at home, like you say, who, despite being so obliging when they came to the race course last season really should be aiming 
Yeah. So challenger promotion. Eastleigh away, likewise. Notts County, that again, yeah. clearly will be aiming to win it. Yeah. And then South End having just come down, it'll be tricky and it's a long journey. Yeah. Woking at home theoretically might be all right, although Woking always seems to start well, get enough points to be safe and then drift downwards. And then you've got Grimsby away, the, the Sean Pearson derby. And then to round it off, Lincoln, Dagenham at home, Dagenham flying at the end of last season, and then Stockport away. I mean, that's a, what, three, six, the first eight games, I would say there's, what, seven of them probably hoping to go for promotion. So we'll get a good examination early on, won't we? Yeah, and again, if things aren't going our way, we've got got to be patient, you know, new manager, new team. We've got to be patient in the last three really tricky fixtures there, but... Again, with the budget we may have for this season, we could even easily win most of those games either. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just so exciting. Is there any other fixtures that have caught your eye? Well, I would say if I, just to return to that for a second, yeah. I I think that when I think people, I I don't think it's bad to have a tough start myself yeah. for two reasons. Uh, the minor reason is that. You've just got a lot of tough fixtures out of the way there. So if we're in a decent position at the end of it, well, we're going to have a run of much easier fixtures to capitalise upon. Um, secondly, maybe hitting teams before they hit their strides might be a good thing, although probably people think that about us more than we should about them. But also, I, I, you're going to have to play them at some point. I've never agreed with the idea, like in cups, of shying away from good sides and getting an easy draw. I mean, where in the European Championships, England fans saying England should try to finish second to avoid the third-placed group of death sides. Why? You're going to have home advantage, and you actually think you can win the tournament, then bring it on. Yeah. And they did win the group, and it turned out as I would expect. They had home advantage against a team that's finished third in their group, so they won it, and then they had to play an away game against a weak team. Which yeah. was much better than, oh, let's try and avoid all the good sides and then you, you end up playing a weak team at Wembley and then a tough team on neutral ground. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's nonsense. I don't think people should be, if you are confident, don't be scared of them. I, I like the idea that we recruit well in the summer, get a good squad together and then opening of the season, it's tough and we send a few messages out. You, know, yeah. you start beating teams like this. And showing them, oh, this is a Wrexham side that intends to dominate this league. What can you do about it? That's how I view it. Hundred percent. Also, there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on these lads. These are national league, you know, league caliber, league football caliber, caliber footballers, and they're going to have the most eyes that they're going to ever have in their careers, aren't they? You know, look at the look at the attention we've attracted from America and from all around the globe because of our famous owners. It's going to be a hell of a lot on them. So again, it's. I, I'm more of the mind of, yeah, we, we should be out to win each each and every game, but in my head also, I'm a bit like, give these lads time, yeah, yeah. you know? If we're in and around the playoffs come December, we could still make a, a title charge, yeah. you know? I agree, totally. I think that everyone's got to realise that this is a new team being put together. Uh, I've got to be patient, uh, 100%, million percent agree with that. Although I've got to be honest and say that and I may be being naive saying this, but I, I kind of look at football and think players want to be involved in as high an end as possible. Um, and I feel that the professional player's mentality usually is, I want to have the pressure. I want to be tested. Um, I think fans tend to look at opposite way. I think mm-hmm. fans, like I said, like I said about England, tend to look at it more as, oh, can we avoid the good teams? But I, I strongly suspect the England players... And manager would just think, no, we think we can beat anybody, bring it on, we just want to win. Good, Germany at home, fantastic. And I think that mentality passes down the levels as well, that I think players would be relishing the possibility of a test. So I think it's it's for us to get nervous. Yeah. And it's for them to have the mentality of, I want this. I know footballers are human, and some will be like that, and some will be nervous, and that's that's natural. But I think you've got to have that sort of professional sportsman attitude of I now I get a chance to test myself against something good oh, and go to the next level. Again, I hundred percent agree, but I'd counter what I was more talking to us as fans. Yeah, on yeah. Not getting bat on the players' backs, and you know the, the race course can be one of the most wonderful stadiums <laughs> to play in the world when 
when the crowd's bouncing and everyone's singing songs and what have you, but it can also be a very tricky place to play yeah. as a home home team. You've got to remember, <laughs> the teams are playing against, it's going to be like a huge game for them. It's going to be, yeah. I want to get a goal on this documentary, or I want, oh, yeah, 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 you know, I, yeah. want, I want to prove, look, look, it's us. Yeah. It's us Woking playing Wrexham away. It's mm-hmm. going to be a huge game for them. They're going to be playing without much pressure, but with yeah. Wrexham, we're now expected to win every game. So my my advice would be, even if we are losing, just get behind the lads. Absolutely. I mean, it's the whole Kevin Wilkin quote, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, when, when I came here with Uneaton, this was our cup final. We would always raise our game because we wanted to show what we could do. Um, exactly right. But we have to, like you said, I think fans have to be realistic about what we can achieve and the players have to be positive and see it as something that they can they can achieve. Yeah, for me as well. If we lose a lot of games at the start of, I would rather lose, at the you know have a find our way at the start of the season and then build from there. Mm. If you if if you get what I mean, I remember I always look yeah, back yeah. to the 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 Kidderminster uh, season, the year when we got to the FA Trophy final. I can't remember the the, the year off the top of my head. Yeah. Them and Mansfield both struggled, didn't they, at the start of the yeah, season? Yeah. But then start getting wins on the board and start really building great momentum, and it was a two horse race for most of that season, wasn't it? Absolutely right. Um, it's sometimes things happen like that, don't yeah. they? So I think definitely we need to be patient, but at the same time, it's a, it's a hell of an opportunity. I'm worried about not worried about that's completely the wrong phrase. The end of the season, I mean, quite apart from the the cruel flashback of going to Dagnum again yeah, for the last game of the season. <laughs> I mean, hell's bells, that's not right, that. But, but I, t- I tell you one that's really tasty is a stop at home. Well, yeah, yeah. Last home yeah. game of the season, that could be, that could be a title decider there, couldn't it? Oh, God. I mean, the, <laughs> you look at the start of the season and you look at the end of the season and you ask yourself, <laughs> is, there any, is there anything in the middle? You know, because the, the start and the end yeah. are, are really tough, aren't they? I mean, it's not just Stockport. Before that's Bournemouth away. Yeah. Uh, on the on the two games and three days weekend, um, the May Day uh, Bank Holiday, and then Southend at home. Where we don't know what Southend will be like, do we? Uh, they could be they could be badly damaged by relegation, or they, or could, they might be bouncing back like a Bristol Rovers a few yeah. years ago. They could just yeah. bounce straight back up. So I, I find League Two teams coming down is a bit more of a basket case. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Do you? Yeah, yeah. So that end again, yeah, the start and the end are quite tasty, aren't they? Yeah. Really. The, the, our God, you know what? I'm just looking at it. Our end of the season looks suspiciously like the National League of just copy and pasted last season. Look at the away <laughs> it games. Does. Yeah, it Walking does. Walking away, we won four nil. Boreham Wood away, the one we won three two. Yeah. And then Dagenham away. I mean, that's pretty much the, our last three away games of last season. Yeah, that's a bit suspicious, ain't it? Well, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past the National League just to copy and paste. Would yeah, you? we better check. We probably home Wheelston four times and just just play, just change the A and the H around. The, the type of thing that they <laughs> yeah, would do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the, and and to be fair, I think this year there's a lot of big teams, isn't there, in the National League yeah. yet again? And there's going to be teams like Torquay who are going to be up for it and up yeah. up for winning yeah. the title this year. And there's going to be Stockport, there's going to be Knox County. Bromley, ourselves, um, Southend and Grimsby. Mm. It's going to be a very competitive league this year and I'm, mm. I'm very excited. And they've given us uh, the, the traditional festive fun of Solly Moors at home on Boxing Day. Wow. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Merry Christmas. And then just to rub it in, they're actually giving us a derby on the Tuesday away from home. Altrincham. Thanks for that. <laughs> Altrincham, I am looking forward to yeah. because there's some fantastic Belgian beers, that bars that I want to go to. There so you go. Wow. I am, and especially around Christmas time, I am happy with that one. Yeah. But yeah, all in all, I am. I'm very excited, confident, nervous about this season ahead. That's just about every emotion. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just what it's like to be a Wrexham fan. Isn't that's it? very true. Very up and that down. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. So after this, we're going to be mm-hmm. talking about kits. Uh, Sounds good to me. I'm Riesel Johnson and you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio Show. We've just had a new kit released Mm. and we were going to do this in last week's show but we didn't really have enough time schedule wise so we thought, you know, we'll let a week stew on it and we'll talk about Wrexham's historical kits really and what makes a great Wrexham kit and 
I'm going to talk about some responses off Twitter and maybe a few off my mates. <laughs> but yeah, so what do you think? What makes an iconic kit to you, Mark? Well, I like the, the new one. Uh, only the most discerning people wear the new one, of course. Oh, gosh, you're wearing it. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's a, I like the fact that it's clean. I know it sounds stupid, but I, I quite like that sort of um, the block of colour, not getting too fussy. Uh, I quite like some of the, the old-fashioned ones that are, that are sort mm. of more just plain. I know I'm being a bit sad, but yeah, it's a classic identity of Wrexham, yeah. and I think that's sure it's done done well. I know it's not traditional to have the white sleeves, although we have done sometimes, but the way the shirt looks actually does look right. And it, we have had some some classic white-sleeved ones, one of which I think is one of your favourites, isn't it? Yes. Well, one of my favourites is the 10-11 mm. kit. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a white sleeve, it's got two white... Yeah, it's got two strong, like, like braces. Yeah, it's like, yeah, braces, that's yeah. it. It was like, oh, I loved it so much because that was when I was really, really getting into mm. Rex and like going to the games by myself and with my mates and having Marvin Andrews play for us and things like that. And it was just like, for me, it was really, again, I think that's quite a clean kit as well. Mm. You know, the 10 mm. 10 11 kit is really nice, really clean. Something a bit different. I don't think we've really had many kits look like that before, from no, my memory. No, I guess so, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's for me, what makes a good kit is usually quite simple. I don't like it when they try and change it too much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love the 10-11 kit. But so, should we have a quick look on Twitter to see Definitely. people's favourites? Yeah, absolutely. So, the first one po- uh, post up is Timothy Lewis. Yay. He's second place in the Dragon Art Euro 2020 Fantasy League. <laughs> Not going to say he's first yet. But, yeah. <laughs> he says, I love all the 90s ones, but one was <clears throat> the one I remember most fondly. What a team. Dibble, Carey, Lawrence, Ferguson, Edwards, Morel and Trundle. This is a team and the style Wrexham should aim for. So that, that was the 0... 203. 203 yeah, kit. Yeah. With a little white flash on the on the underneath the shoulder, isn't yeah, it? I think. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I was about to say this. I don't quite like that kit <laughs> that much, but it's nice. Yeah. I think maybe because it's iconic, because we were so good. I like the goalkeeper mm-hmm. kit that year. Yeah, just, is that the silver one? Yeah, it? yeah. That was the, that was the first yeah. kit I ever owned. I got that oh. special. Still kept that, but yeah, it's. I like it. Yeah. But I'm not sure about the big collar, but maybe because it, maybe it was more of its time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yes, it's a it's a it's a solid kit. It really is a solid kit. Um, the next one, was Spirit of seventy eight said, Europe relegation Wembley FAW Invitational Cup. So he's put. I'm guessing is that the Anderlecht? Oh, I, I see. Remember this season here. Is oh yes, the, that's the as the Anderlecht kit. The Anderlecht kit now. It's a. That's a stunner, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's lovely. It was, we played all red. Yeah, and just the Adidas very narrow stripes on the arm. Yeah. And the old Adidas logo as well. It's not the classic 77, 78 Adidas kit, but it's a, it's a, it is a really attractive-looking oh. kit, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. And then we got, which <laughs> season was the relegation season? Which year was this? It was before my time. Well, that one is when we dropped out of the old second division. So that will be 82, 83. That's the second kit I ever owned. Um, and it is a little bit like the one that you were talking about before, the, the two stripes, but they're narrower. Um, nice though, it's quite a nice yeah, kit. Yeah, I like that in kit. The middle. That is, who, what, who's the manufacturer of that kit? I can't quite I tell. Th- I want to say Admiral, but I'm probably wrong. Let's have a quick. Oh gosh, Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, you know, I, I can't. What did I say Admiral for? I was thinking Patrick, and I was talking about it. <laughs> and there's some classic players on there: Dixon McNeil. Uh, the that was when Mel Sutton had his one. Season in charge, Eddie Nadrewski in goal. Les Carr tries, but he was very in. He got a lot of injuries that season. Yeah, that, is, a, that is a beautiful yeah, I like that kit. kit. I really like yeah. that. And then, then he's gone on to say, which I think is going to be many modern Wrexham fans' favourite kits, is the FA Trophy winning kit, which yeah. I think is. It's got a bit of everything. It looks modern. It, it, I like the collar. It's very basic. It's, but it's. That classic Adidas look, isn't it? Which yeah. is just, I think, just brilliant. And for me, I think that my favourite kit, because I'm sad and old, is the old 77, 78, the shiny Adidas kit. Yeah. Um, and then I love that one, I think, 
next as the modern reboot of it and the fact that we go to Wembley for the first yeah. time in it. So I think those two are probably my favourites. Although I, I do have some eclectic ones you might mention afterwards. Oh, definitely. And then this one, I'm guessing it's from the 90s and FAW Invitational Cup. I can't, it's, again, it's a little bit before my time. I want to, and I'm shocked. I'm seeing, I feel I've got years to add to these because I'm, I'm a bit shocked at myself. Yeah. I think it's, it's 97, 8 or 8, 98, 9. And, and I was looking for a decent picture of that. That's the season Carl Connolly scores to Chester. I just love the... Uh, the, the 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 fact that it's the ENS kit, isn't it? And mm. both the manufacturer's logo and the badge have got a white shield mm. around them, and and that's it makes it look quite different, even though it's it's sort of essentially just a you know what we usually have, you know. I, I, I think that a lot of nineties kits in general had that sort of shield thing, yeah. didn't they, with a the badge, and maybe it was just a cheaper way to print and put on yeah, the kits, yeah, but yeah. yeah it, it's it's a it's a nice kit. It is a really nice kit, and of course you've got the Rex and Wager on it, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it always that always makes the Rex and kit a little, that little bit more iconic, doesn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely right. Yeah, so yeah, there, there were some great kits there. Yeah. And Andy Pierce has said the purists will always plumb for the class and nostalgia of the Adidas years and the great teams of the seventies and eighties. But for me personally, diff- difficult to look beyond the ENS Rex and Wager kit of the nineties. So same one That's again, that, yeah, yeah. and I I can't recall a bad one. The sky blue mm. one, yes, the sky blue mm. one is one beautiful kit. Yeah, absolutely. And there was also a yellow away kit down with green trim, mm. and I had I've got that at home somewhere. I need to find it. Um, that was a lovely looking kit too. The colours on it were fantastic. Lemony yellow, and yeah, that was nice. That some good teams in the nineties as well. Well, it? I, I, let's be honest. Isn't this all bound up with memory? You yeah, know what I mean. The, yeah. good, the good teams and the good players, and you that you associate them with those shirts, and yeah, I exactly. There's a lot of seventy eight, seventy nine. My, my friend Ryan Harden, who's not, who didn't grow up. At, in that era, but he's obviously looked back at the kits, and I think everyone says that mm. the, Adi- the classic Adidas Wrexham kits. I think, because you know, with football culture, Adidas is so with football fan culture, it's so engraved, isn't it? With people wearing gazelles and yeah, things like yeah. that, and having the classic Adidas logo is just—it's just a really beautiful, <laughs> yeah, yeah. iconic kit. So yeah, yeah. I think ev- everyone's pretty much said seventy-eight. Yeah, there's a lot of seventy-eight, seventy-nine. There's yeah. A lot of people like the Adidas ones. Um, my brother, one that's Bill Long, probably definitely listening right now. He's an avid Dragon Art guy. His favourite was the hooped 150 anniversary yeah, kit, which yeah. I I really liked as well because I think Nike do a good job on that mm. sort of thing. It, I'm, I'm not sure if the history is actually true, whether we actually did wear red and black, <laughs> but I quite like the idea of changing it up with black yeah. now and then. Yeah, and as a special occasion... And as a special kit, I think if we always had that, I think I might think mm, I'd rather go back to the usual. But as a one-off, I think it was, it was brilliant. And you're right, yeah. It it seems there doesn't seem to be any really hard and fast evidence that that it was red and black because all the photos black and white. Doesn't seem to be any people really recording what the colours were. Remember that the club record, sadly, especially sadly for someone like me who is looking at writing a history of the club. Um, were destroyed in a uh, in the Second World War in a house fire, Aye. so that doesn't help. Um, and we certainly know that before the Second World War, Wrexham often wore blue rather than red. Um, so, right, it's uh, it, you know whether it was red and black. I think there might be a little bit of poetic license, but it did turn it into a fantastic kit, didn't it? Oh, it was a beautiful kit, and the away kits that year were really nice too. So, yeah. is there any that not been mentioned so far that you look at and think I really like that kit? Someone did mention it on Twitter, and I thought, my gosh, why have I not thought of this? The deck chair kit, the spall deck chair kit. It was a, a thing of both horror and beauty. Yeah. Um, it was, it, 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 I mean, honestly, you have to see it to believe it. And there aren't that many pictures out on the internet of it, but it's got like, it's a series of very thin stripes, very dark red, normal red. So pink and then white all the way across, like interference on a television. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like a shed on your laptop, something I've actually done very recently and very expensively. Um, and, and how the display looks afterwards. It's it's both horrific and magnificent. Uh, it's, it's that joining point. Mm. It's where terror becomes wonder. It's going to watch a really but, horrible horror movie It's kind of, and, and, and not being quite sure whether you feel upset by it or love it. Or... 
speaking as a Godzilla fan, you know, <laughs> Godzilla movies should be rubbish, but they're so rubbish they're good. That's the phrase. Yeah, yeah. So rubbish it's good. Yeah, and the, I suppose those sort of kits now you can wear in like an ironic way as well, can't <laughs> yes. you? you yeah. Look back and think, oh yeah, that that's that's just a crazy kit that Rex can pull that. That yeah. whole I, I think I have seen the deck chair kit. It's pretty. It's bad, isn't it? It's a grotesque crime <laughs> against both humanity and decency. Is, is there any other kits that spring to, <laughs> spring to mind for you? Um, well, I, I was going to say, that 77, 78 yeah. kit, apart from the fact it's associated with our greatest ever team, yeah. there's another reason I think why people like it, and, and younger uh, listeners, and probably you, Jay, to be fair, might be startled. It never used to be that it had a new kit every season. Yeah, it used yeah. to be that you had your kit for ages, and that kit we had for about three years, four years. That makes it embed a bit more, doesn't mm. it? Um, the, between that lovely European kit and the Adidas kit, we had that Buckter kit, which was bright red with the Buckter old Buckter sign, um, and a big open seventies style collar with a lapel. And that was a nice looking yeah, kit, you know. Yeah. That that does look good, especially when they're the black shorts. I don't think they always wore the black shorts with it, but when they did, yeah, that was something. So I, yeah, I think I, that one sticks them out a bit. I'm a fan of Wrexham wearing black shorts, especially you know for away games when the other team's wearing white shorts. Mm. I'd rather Wrexham wear black shorts than red shorts. If you yeah, get what I, mean. yeah, I, know it sounds, yeah. I know it sounds silly, but little things like that bother me. Yeah. But yeah, that for me, well, the, as a kit, I look back on, and no one's mentioned any of these kits cause some of them were pretty pretty bad was i really liked the van den el kits i did really oh, like yeah, them yeah. uh the 0506 when oh my favorite player mm-hmm. favorite Rexham player of all time mark jones played it and he had to just go and it was just a simple red kit and it had the welsh badge on the sleeves and it was just you know we beat chester in that kit didn't we that season mm-hmm. from what i can remember it was it was it was a pretty good season wasn't it it wasn't Terrible from maybe I was yeah, just really so that, enjoying it. Was that the first kid. season after we went down? Yeah, and yeah, we did okay and it sort of petered out a bit. Yeah, yeah, we had some good players, didn't we? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah and maybe because it's me growing up and having this kit, but I just like how basic it's just red. I'm silly, but just yeah. red. The two little white stripes, the little Welsh badge, I think, is a nice touch. And yeah, I, I don't think the Van Den kits get enough love because they're not a big brand, and I think big brands get more love sometimes yeah. because. You know, you see Nike, you see Adidas, you see Puma like we've had in the past. Mm. And you, you're drawn to that sort of thing <clears throat> without even thinking about it, really, aren't you? Which isn't always fair, because yeah. if you take Puma, for an example, and that, that was a nice kit, that one we had just before the, the season, the 98-point season, wasn't it? That um, Yeah. And Brighton, yeah, yeah and Brighton. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember that those Puma kits are just, we have no choice because we're not a big club. They give us a catalogue of, you know, there's three basic forms of shirt we're doing. We're offering clubs, which form do you want? And then we'll do it in the colours you want. And they just and slap badges on. Mm. And so the Wrexham shirt ends up being exactly the same as another team in traditionally playing red. Um, and I know that the, the green away kit, which was a nice kit, don't get me yeah. wrong. Um, there was... I mean, the, the club was in chaos at the start of that season, obviously. There was uh, just before the trust took over. And there was no awaker. Mm. There just was no awaker. It hadn't been sorted by the previous owners. And so we were going to Lincoln without an awaker. And Lincoln played red and white, obviously. And the decision was made to have a green awaker. It's basically on the basis of we've got to do something quickly in the emergency. Um, what can we do? And so we got some Puma green wow. away kits which were actually supposed to be Plymouths wow. and we got those and got them badged up and wore them on television against Lincoln away otherwise we might have had a different away kit that's so that, that's how random kits can be and it's nice that now we've got this kit which is bespoke that we've actually had a hand in mm. designing rather than you know like I said you know okay we have three options of style of kit this season close your eyes point at one and we'll make it red and white for you and another kit I don't think gets a lot of love for me because the fans were in the stadium was last season. So that was a unique yeah, kit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it had nice. the, if you looked up close, it had the Wrexham Stadium in the background yeah, of the kit, right. didn't it? Yeah. I, I, thought it was, I thought that was a really nice kit as well. But for me, I think, as you said, a good kit in people's memories. There's a lot of different diverse kits there. Maybe comes from 
the team being good at the time, yeah, maybe, and you having your memories, maybe being a kid and yeah. loving seeing your heroes playing these kits. And I think it does. I think a team having a good kit also does come with the psychology. I, you know, the this team means business sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. So hopefully, I can transfer to this year's kits. I think this year's yeah. kit is really really nice let's hope so and sometimes they can have a psychological effect i think i was certainly sending out the message if we are a big club because we've got tiktok on the front yeah. uh that might that might make us target for more kickings than we would have got otherwise um but also you know kids can play a role the, the story goes that bill shankley changed rex sorry liverpool's kit was always red shirts white shorts and bill shankley changed it because he felt that if you were all red you looked bigger and that was his theory you know, uh, Peter Shilton, uh, early-ish in his career, always used to wear all white. Uh, it wasn't a political statement. Uh, it was because he felt that, well, there, there, apparently there were studies that claimed that people dressed all in white again look bigger. And that when he wants to come oh. out and rush a striker, he wants to look as big as possible and catch the striker's eye and distract him as much as possible. So, you know, kits can have a, a tactical use as well. And maybe that's why this Wrexham's homekeeper kit this year is like a high visy sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's some, oh, maybe true. maybe yeah. there's something in that as well. Or maybe Rob Linton's going to get a bit of work, you know, sort of yeah. digging, digging drains <laughs> between training sessions. Yeah, yeah. Pa- patching walls and stuff yeah, like that. In yeah. between, in bet- at half time, he's going to patch up. <laughs> a few walls in Woking or something. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd walk there as well. Like I said, he was a good trainer. He put himself through it all. He didn't cope. Yeah, my, my round upon this is, you know, an I- iconic kit usually come with iconic times on the pitch. Yeah. So let's hope we have an iconic time on the pitch this season. Maybe this kit will be worth a lot of money. Yeah. But if the amount that's sold is probably everyone everyone in Rex will have one, so it probably won't be worth that much money in the future. But yeah, after this, we'll be talking about the Euros. I'm Kerry Evans, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. Well, it's starting to get to the end of the Euros now. It's been a fantastic tournament so far. I've loved it. It's been nice to have Wales involved as well. Now I know we're out, but... Yeah, the semi-finals, they were interesting, weren't they? Mm. You know, the Spain-Italy game was so back and forth, so exciting. It, I, I, I couldn't wait watching that game thinking, I'd one of those teams could have won that, won the whole tournament. 100%, it was a real high-quality match, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Spain did really well to take the game to Italy, and Italy were a bit shocked by it, I think, in yeah. a way. Uh, and there was a Spain, going into the game, Spain had the highest percentages at possession in the tournament, Italy the third and you thought, okay, this is going to be interesting anyway because this is two teams that want to control the ball and Spain won that battle they were the possession based side mm. and it rattled Italy a bit but unluckily for Spain the chances weren't taken Oyathabal, I like him a lot but he missed a, well, that chance in the first half that where he miscontrolled the ball or he should have been one on one it was quite a nice comment I heard on the T4 podcast saying, if the pass had been played to Pedri, he'd have controlled that but the problem is Pedri played that wonderful pass in. It was a hell of a pass. And then he missed the free header in the second half and he didn't make contact on the ball. And that has been an issue for Spain all through the tournament. Jesna Morata's missed chances. Um, Gerard Moreno missed chances. Oyatabal's missed chances in a big game like that. And despite the fact that they felt slightly disappointing in some games and in some senses, they actually created a hell of a lot of opportunities. And if they if they had a, a top-level striker leading them, mm-hmm. they probably would have won this thing. Yeah, and I, they've been a bit of a surprise package for me because leading into the tournament, I thought, mm, they're a bit, you know, they might do all right. They're Spain, they've got quality, of course, but they, they were lacking, especially in the first few games, they were lacking that something, mm. weren't they? As you said, a world-class striker. And I, I think if they had the prime Fernando Torres, they would have they would have beat yeah. Italy, I think. Yeah, or David Villa. Yeah, or David Villa. I think as well, I, I think I may mention this last week, but the playing at La Cartuja, uh, is ludicrous. You've got two amazing football stadiums in Seville and they choose the useless Olympic Stadium where the crowd are about six miles on the pitch and the pitch was not good enough and mm. all the way through the group stage Luis Enrique was saying the pitch is holding us back and everybody's just there he's just moaning because his team are playing ball but I think when we saw how they played after the group stage yeah, I think that pitch held them back. Yeah, 100%. You know? And their opponents Italy, yeah. They've been brilliant all uh, brilliant all tournament, haven't they? And uh, really, it's 
it makes this game on Sunday really mm-hmm. exciting. I think for me, and I'm jumping the gun. We've not talked about England yet, but Italy and England are the most deserved teams to get into the final so far. I think you're right. Um, I think that they've got Italy had a major problem that they've lost Spinazzola. Yeah who's been utterly outstanding and Emerson's half decent but he's not the same type of player and the fact that they made that change when they brought Di Lorenzo over yeah. to the left and put Toloi on the right was I think an admission that Emerson can't do the job Spinazzola did which is um, an issue for them and will be in the final I think uh, so it's but having said that they got fabulous strength and depth yeah. haven't they I mean they started off this tournament so well with Berardi playing on the flank and <laughs> with Locatelli in the middle of midfield mm. and they've actually in changing those players upgraded yeah. incredibly you know Verratti's been brilliant Chiesa's been brilliant they got a lot of quality and they are difficult I mean I, I don't think we should underestimate how cynical they are I mean was it 12 minutes wasted in the extra time in, in the Spain game and the way they broke down that second half in the Belgium match yeah. was remarkable I mean the referee was very weak not to add more time yeah. on and then the most spectacular display of public bullying with Chiellini Ke- yeah. and Jaldi Alba just uh, you know it's all about all the commentators and what a lovely character he is look at Alba's face Alba was not enjoying that he did not like that was belittling him wasn't it he really yeah, was yeah it was and sending a message to the Spaniards look at your little captain <laughs> I mean oof. I, 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 I don't mind gamesmanship like that and, <laughs> and you know in semi-finals that's where you want to see it isn't it really you know I don't mind as long as it's not against Wrexham yeah, yeah as long as it's not, <laughs> well we, we don't reach many semi-finals so I wouldn't <laughs> well, worry about, I wouldn't worry more about than that. England thank yeah. you very much <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that is very true talking about England well yeah talk about England the England game it was an intre- a fascinating game of football wasn't it mm. I think Denmark have quite clearly been their toughest test yet. Yeah. Um, they were excellent. They could have they could have won the game, and but England also could have won the game in normal time as well if it wasn't for Kasper Schmeichel. What, what yeah. one hell of a goalkeeper he is, and what a class act he is as well. Oh, fantastic, isn't he? Um, first team to score against England, but I think more importantly, the, the Denmark I think got in and amongst England's defence more yeah. than any other team has. I think I think England have been exceptionally good at controlling situations and not being caught in transition and protecting the defence but the Denmark did make inroads into the penalty area and did ask questions of them having said that I think indubitably England are the better team and deserve to win and to me it just brought home that I totally accept the the reasons for having five subs with Covid I mean the sports science is is undeniable Mm. however it'll be good when we can stop doing that because it was massively to England's advantage. And you see, I was just watching it when it was one all thinking the quality of that Denmark team that has been so brilliant yeah. has really been diluted by the substitutions. Not trying to say they're not good players. If Phil Parkinson wants to buy them, he's more than welcome to. <laughs> but, you know, he's bringing on lads from Fulham, yeah. lads from Brentford. Oh, Brentford are great. Don't I like Brentford. But, you know, they're bringing them on. England's bench they're bringing on Phil Foden yeah. they didn't even bother bringing on Jaden Sancho they can afford to bring Grealish on and off yeah. they can bring on Trippier who's one of the outstanding players in the side that won the Spanish league this season yeah. you know the quality of their bench is remarkable so England were able to refresh uh, while Denmark diluted and that, that I think was why in extra time it was a very comfortable for England, wasn't it? Jordan Henson, they could bring off the bench. Also, make your Liverpool captain, Champions League, Premier League winner. Yeah. And, captain, you know, of possibly the best ever Liverpool team, and that's quite a statement. Yeah, and, and it says that England have. Well, to me, if they don't win this tournament, then it, they could be a huge. It's going to be looked at as like a huge missed opportunity because they surely they have to be the favourites, don't they? They they well, I'm saying that. I think Italy Italy would be watching that game and seeing they could exploit a lot of things, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Italy will also do have quality, but England have some fantastic players. And it, and I, but again, it was a a dodgy penalty to give as well, yeah. wasn't it? And I don't know. Would you was if you were if you were referee, was that a penalty in your eyes? I I I, I can see why it's been given. I, I I don't think it's something that you can get upset about if you if you will. Um he has made contact on him. Sterling is going quickly. Yes, we know Sterling looks for challenges, 
but then all players do, like you just said before about Italy, it's a bit of cynicism yeah. is, is, is not the worst thing in the world, it's, it's football. Um, there was also contact on his body from the other defender, maybe after he's going down, but certainly I, I don't think the point of VAR, and I've ranted a bit about VAR during this tournament, but the point of VAR isn't to overturn that sort of decision. That's a judgment call. Uh, I, I think it's a, a bit of a soft one, yeah. But I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's one that you, you, you could give or you could not give. And referees have to make that call. Um, and as well, I've got to say, not that you should take this into account either, the challenge on Harry yeah, Kane... Yeah, I was just about to say. That's a penalty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, you could argue... You, know, you can hardly argue yeah. that the referee favoured them because yeah. I think that, that was a penalty. Yeah, I, I thought that was a penalty, to be fair. So yeah. on the balance of things, that you know, it was fair enough that England got the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Kasper Schmeichel made a good save mm. despite having a light shine shown in his eye. Um, yeah, congratulations to England. Uh, oh, <laughs> but, you say you, you, you uh, didn't like saying that. Uh, then. <laughs> they, 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 and I must say, they've taught a lot of people about football. You don't have to play exciting football to mm. win games, and they, I think Gareth Southgate's doing a fantastic job on how to play tournament football, mm. and he's got a plethora of experience with under twenty ones and playing football himself. Mm. And I think the negative, what people seemed as negative, I think playing Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips together, protecting that defence has been a masterpiece in my opinion. Mm. And yeah, credit to, all credit to them. They're, they're in the final now. And yeah, and there's just one thing I would like to mention is I, I was pretty angry that their fans decided to boo the Dan Danish national anthem. Yeah, I'm all for banter. And if it was Wales, Scotland or Germany or Ireland, you know, I can sort of understand it because it's it, there's a rivalry there, but there's no rivalry with Denmark. Just respect their national anthem. Well, I, I'm a bit confused by this. Because firstly, I mean, yes, I strongly agree with you. But then, for any anthem, and that always happens at England games, and to be fair, other countries' games too, yeah. um, what I can't understand is why do UEFA take action about that but they didn't when they booed the German anthem or when they booed the Croatian anthem. Again, Croatia hardly traditional rivals. Yeah. Or when they booed uh, the Czech anthem. I, I, I don't understand why they only act now. And I think that the truth of the matter is, um, like a lot of administrators in football, they react when someone starts complaining. Yeah. And obviously, maybe, I don't say the Danes complained, maybe it's a fact that people like to see them as a the fairy tale team and had sympathy and felt offended, as you're saying, quite rightly. You know, and so people kicked up a fuss. And so because the media kicked up a fuss, oh, oh we'll investigate that. They didn't investigate the other times. Yeah. And the times in other countries have done it. So, yeah, I find that, I find that slightly odd and hypocritical. I think it should be more of an overall message. But then, you know, when you look at uh, UEFA's messaging on homophobia and transphobia in this tournament, yeah. let's not look to our football officials to give us a moral lead, eh? <laughs> we shouldn't be looking to football to give us a moral lead anyway, yeah. or no. even our politicians. Well, fair point. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, again, I, I just, I was very, I was very cross that the English fans did that, because I didn't expect it, because, you know, it's, it's Denmark, they're, they're pretty much an inoffensive country to them, you know? And it is what it right, is. Just patronising the Danes down, mate. Come on. Oh yeah, but, you know, they're inoffensive <laughs> to, uh, to people have you not in watched, England. Down have you not watched all the Scandinavian? They have almost every other person in Denmark's a serial killer. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Then. Well, then they definitely deserve <laughs> to get booed. No, but yeah. Anyway, just just to cap it off, is it coming home or is it coming Rome? Oh, nice. Um, I'm not even going to answer the it's a coming home question. <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that's become so tiresome. Um, I think Italy are, if, if they played in an equal, uh, a neutral venue, I think I'd slightly favour Italy, but they're not playing in a neutral venue. I don't know. It's going to penalties. I mean, I guarantee that. <laughs> if it goes to penalties, Italy have won it, I think. I, I don't know who's going to win. I, I, I favour Donnarumma to be a better keeper to save penalties over Pickford your little stumpy fellas can be quite good on penalties though, can't they true look uh, at me I was a little stumpy goes. I love penalties <laughs> I like and I and to be fair I've been so impressed with Pickford this tournament he gets a lot of slack in for, when he plays for Everton he's been, he's been excellent isn't he let's be fair he made oh, some yeah. fantastic saves the semi-final he suddenly looks a bit more the Everton Pickford so he yeah, nearly did the carry us didn't he with that, that throw out, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, he's been excellent throughout the tournament I, I never understood fully why people were debating that he was Southgate's goalkeeper he's never let him down why would he drop him 
Yeah, but, for for England, yeah. yeah. I'd personally argue Nick Pope's a better keeper. Yeah. On, He's injured, though, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. On average, I I would say Nick Pope's yeah. a better keeper. But anyway, I think Donnarumma would be better at saving penalties. Yeah. Like, if you look at Italy's five penalties against Spain, I think a lot of them were very coolly taken, weren't they? Uh, especially Jorginho's last penalty was, <laughs> was beautiful, wasn't he? He just passed it into the corner. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to say it's... I think England's going to win it. I, I have a, I have a gut feeling they're going to win it. And, you know, as a, as a Welshman, I do grit my teeth saying it, but they've been fantastic. They've been a great team. They've, they've been very entertaining. And, you know, I obviously didn't want them, don't want them to win it, but, you know, I'd be very happy for my dad and my granddad who are English. So, yeah. Well, all I can say is um, I'm wary of saying who will win it because, as we all know, no spoilers. And as I am 30 points clear at the top of the Dragon Hearts, uh, fantasy Euro 2020 league. Obviously, if when I say who I think is going to win, it'll be right. You know, Tim Lewis has given me a good challenge. Fair play to the bloke, and he's 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 attacked me on Twitter, and quite right too. It's coming roast then, is it? It's coming roast. <laughs> I don't come from roast. I know you don't, but I just thought, I think of think of something that would go with the song. That's but it's beautiful. <laughs> It's coming high town. <laughs> that's it. It's coming, Rose. Anyway, that's that's it for us on Dragonheart this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Italy will win. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs>